So here's what I want to do. I want to start with the top 10 Thanksgiving jokes. Are you ready for Thanksgiving? Okay, all right, all right. So these might help you out. Now I put the top 10 Thanksgiving jokes. It is uh, a YouTube title. <laughs> How many have done that? You, know, you click on the YouTube to top 10 Thanksgiving jokes and you're like, those weren't the top 10. So here, the you be the judge. What kind of tood is appropriate at family dinner? Gratitude. Why did mom's turkey seasoning taste a little off last year? She ran out of time. <laughs> what was the turkey suspected of? Foul play. With the coronavirus, I'll keep going. I don't care. I'm here. I'm here all day, right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I got 30 minutes. So this doesn't count, though. Uh, with coronavirus being a concern this year, what's likely to be the most popular side dish? Masked potatoes. <laughs> I got one of you. Why did the turkey bring a microphone to dinner? He was ready for a roast. On Thanksgiving, what does dad have in common with an exhausted baseball player? They're both likely to fall asleep between plates. What happened? This is my favorite one. This is my favorite one. You can tweet this or put this on Instagram if you'd like. You don't have to. What happens when cranberries get sad? They turn into blueberries. <laughs> that is awesome. Why was the turkey asked to join a band? Because he could bring his own drumsticks. What did the salad say to the butter who kept making jokes? You're on a roll. And last but not, last but not least, what, uh, what, what should you say when your church begs you to stop making these jokes? No, I can't quit cold turkey. <laughs> All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Yeah, it's a good day to be in the house of God, isn't it? It's a good day. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to clear your head of all the responsibilities you have today. Look, you still got time to take your turkey out the refrigerator. It's still got time to thaw. You don't have to solve all the problems in the world. I know you got people coming over to your house. I know you got to clean and I know you got to plan and prepare, but this is the day that the Lord has made. And this next few moments, you need to clear your head of your responsibilities and get ready for a word from the Lord. Lord, we come to you this morning as a church, as a community, and we put down our responsibilities. If we listen, we tune our ears and our hearts to hear what you have to say in our lives today. Today is the day of salvation. Today, your graces are fresh, new, and, and, and available to us. Today is the day where we position, where we align ourselves under the banner of Jesus. Today is the day that we choose to draw close to you. Today is the day Today is the day. Grace, grace. Listen to me. Grace, grace. Grace, grace. You need grace. I need grace. We need grace. We need grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And we open up our lives and our hearts and our minds to receive the grace, the ability to do what you have called us to do. We need it now. We need it today. We don't need it tomorrow. We don't need it on Monday. We need it on this Sunday morning. We need you, Jesus. We need you to speak to us 
us, to give us direction and guidance in our life. We need you to lead us this morning. We need you, Jesus. Say that with me. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Amen, amen. The title of my message this morning, I'm gonna pick up in our series, Worship Unmasked. Have you enjoyed this series? I've enjoyed this series. I want you to say this with me. I choose to worship. Say it like you mean it. I choose to worship. I think one of the most important things that we can do in this time period that we are living in is to choose to worship. And I want you to understand that that choice is yours. That choice is yours. I choose to worship. And so I was putting this message together and I was like, okay, how do I clearly communicate, articulate to my friends and family what they need to do in this time period? And what the Lord was saying to me is tell them they need to choose to worship. And I said, well, what does that mean? What kind of choices do they need to make? And he led me to John chapter 4, 23 and 24. I am not sure if the doctor has taught on this, but I'm sure he has referenced it during this series. Yet a time is coming, Jesus said this, yet a time is coming and now has come. I love that statement. Yet a time is coming and has now come. Do you see the sense the urgency of that? The time is now. You know, if, if I could tell you something this morning, I was like, stop waiting to worship. The time is now. I'm gonna give you permission to get crazy in your worship with Jesus. The time is now. The time is now to grow in your understanding and depth of worship. The time is now. Don't wait for tomorrow. The time is now. When true worshipers, true worshipers, if there are true worshipers, that means there are false worshipers. If there are true worshipers, there's a way to truly worship Jesus and there's a way not to. I wanna talk to you about true worships. We'll worship the Father in spirit and in truth For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. I love that. If you and I can discern, understand what a true worshiper looks like, then we have this this relationship where the Father is seeking us and we're seeking him. It's a two-way, it's a harmony. There's a rhythm to it. And when we collide, things happen. And so as you learn to be a true worshiper, it's like you're seeking God and God is seeking you and this relationship, this dynamic, I would say that the kingdom is released in your life. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. God is gonna do his job. He is going to seek you. But as we position and learn how to worship, become a true worshiper, then things begin to happen in our lives. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. I love that. It's a command. You must worship. Now listen, I love America. I do. I love the freedom of choice. And let me tell you this. You do have the freedom not to worship. But if you are a true worshiper, you must worship. Like there are things in my life, I'm like, I would like to do that. And then I read the Bible and say, I can't do that. The world says I have freedom, but the Bible says I must worship. Oh, I'm just all about the word. Whoa, 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 wait a second. No, true worshipers worship in spirit and truth. We must worship. And I'm not talking about you have to jump up and down and spin. I'm saying you have to live a life that is, that is full of the worship of King Jesus. So here's what I want you to, here's what I'm gonna do today. I'm gonna give you three choices true worshipers make consistently. And so here's my thought. Maybe you wanna grow in your worship. How many wanna grow in your worship? I wanna grow in my worship. 
And so maybe you've been serving the Lord for 45 years and you're worshiping and you're there. I say amen. You'll agree with these three statements. And maybe you're saying, hey, I want to grow. I want to deepen my relationship, my intimacy with Jesus. Then if you will make these three choices, you will move in that direction, all right? So the first one is this. They choose to be in awe of Jesus. True worshipers choose to be in awe of Jesus consistently. Listen to me. Your awe is determining your way. If you realize it or not, whatever you're in awe of is leading you. And we need to be very careful what we're in awe of because if we're, not, if we're not careful, we end up finding ourselves off track. And we're like, where did Jesus go? Well, I'll tell you what, your, your, your attention, you fixed your eyes, your awe was on something that was, that, that was uh, uh, you put it ahead of Jesus. Your awe of this thing was in, ahead of your awe of Jesus and it was leading you. And if you can learn how to be, how to identify, I've lost my way. And the quicker you learn to, look, to understand, I, I have lost my awe of God, the better off you are. But, but understand this, that something is leading you. And what you are in awe of is leading your life. In this context that we live in now, I'm like, man, people are in awe of all kinds of stuff that have replaced the awe of Jesus in our life. I'm doing a, I'm reading an interesting season in my life. I'm doing a, I did a, just finished a study on the book of Proverbs. I uh, did a series called How to Live a Foolproof Life out of the book of Proverbs. I've been reading the book of Acts because in The Verge, we're doing a series on boldness. So I'm reading about wisdom and then I'm reading about boldness and then then this it's just been this where I'm getting this revelation that I would have never had if I hadn't studied intently on these two books. And so as I was talking, as I was thinking about the all of God, I was like, where in the Bible does it, is there a place that helps us Helps the person that says, okay, Pastor Daniel, you got me. I've lost my awe of God. And I'm so glad that you pointed that out. But how do I get it back? That's what, you know, I, I love uh, teachers that are be like, hey, show me how to get it back. I think anybody can, uh, you know, do the obvious. Hey, this is your problem. I'm like, well, how do I get out of this mess? And so I read this passage in Acts, and I've read this passage uh, numerous times. I've done studies on this passage, and I never saw this. And it's my first math problem I've ever put in a sermon, okay? And, and how many are good at math? God bless you. How many are like horrible at math and be like, man, I just count people's hands and I get it wrong. I mean, I'm in staff sometimes. They're like, how many people were there? I'm like, 56. Sarah Bundy's like, no, there was 54. I'm like, oh, you got me. So here's my first math problem, and my math problem has words to it. I don't know if you can do that, but I did it. So there, huh? How do you like it? I know you can have letters. I didn't know if you could have words. Okay, devotion plus word plus community plus prayer equals all. And where I got it from was Acts chapter 2, 42, 43 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone, I looked at that word in the Greek, it means everyone, was filled with awe and the many wonders performed by the apostles. So it seems to me that there were actions associated before the awe came. 
Now, I could be wrong. You could be a great Bible uh, scholar, and you can text me. Matter of fact, just email Dr. Kramer and, and give him all, all the insights, and he'll let me know. But it seems to me when they gathered together in the book of Acts and they were devoted to each other, they were devoted to the word and community and prayer, God did amazing things. They were in awe. So here's my point. Maybe some, somewhere in that math equation, you're not doing so well. Maybe it's that your devotion has waned. Maybe it's your word discipline that has waned. Maybe it's the fact that community, now listen to me, community in this context that we're living in right now is hard. It's hard to gather. It's hard to, to emphasize and to, and to prioritize community in the current, current context that we're in. I had this thought the other day. If you didn't understand the revelation of community and the importance of community before COVID, you are isolated and by yourself. Because if you understand the importance of community, then you had to fight for it. Be it online, trying to figure out how can I get anything from this person that's on the other side of this camera? How can I gather my family and they're in their pajamas? Trying to figure out how to still have church in my living room and still have a sense of community. Every pastor struggled with it. They're all in front of cameras working it out. How do you connect? You know Why? Because community is important and we have to fight for it. It's very intentional. So maybe you're all of God has waned because you haven't in, you, you're not intentional about community. You're not intentional about the word. You're not intentional about devotion. You're not intentional about prayer. So maybe if you'll work on one of those areas, your awe will increase. I'm the uh, 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 youth pastor of a marvelous youth group called The Verge. Yes, and I will tell you this. God is a doing amazing things in The Verge, and I am in awe. And I was thinking about this the other day. I have the greatest team on planet Earth, and I thought to myself, man, I am just in awe of what God is doing. Why are we in awe? And I was like, well, we're devoted, we're in the word, we have a sense of community, and we're praying. And if we're doing all those four things, and matter of fact, if you're not the only one doing those four things, and then you gather a bunch of people doing those four things, then God begins to do stuff in your midst that causes you to say, wow, only Jesus could do this. Only God could do this. My, my, my mission in my life is to inspire, challenge, and release people. Influence a generation to be passionate followers of Jesus to change the world. How do I do that? I inspire, I challenge, and release. Now listen, sometimes I'll get in a challenge reign where I'll be just like challenging people and the Lord's like, you might wanna inspire them before you step on their toes. I'm like, okay, I hear you, I hear you. And so I struggle with those tensions all the time. And so I'm leading this, the verge and I'm like, I need to get them to read the word. We need the word, we need the word. How many of you know that the word works, man? This world falls apart, but the word works, man. I'm like, I need to inspire them, challenge them to read the word. And, and uh, how, how inspiration works in my life is I just go to like random places. So I will just walk around Walmart. Now, this is what I found is I, 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 I run into people all the time. I get to pray for, talk to. I haven't seen you in a while. It's great. And I'll just walk in random places. Like inspiration comes to me when I'm outside of the four walls. Well, how many walls? We have a lot of walls in the church. When I'm outside of 
the church, in the community. Like most of the sermons I write, I'm at Jason's. You wanna know where I'm at Tuesdays? You can come there. I'm at Jason's Deli in Newport News writing a sermon, eating a Reuben. And I'll tell you what, if I sit in that office and write a sermon, it takes me six hours. If I'm at, if I'm at Jason's Deli in Newport News and I write a sermon and I eat a Reuben, for some reason it takes me an hour and 30 minutes. And I'm like, shoot, I'll do this. <laughs> this works. Why? Why? Because I'm in the marketplace, just how my mind is wired. And so I'm walking around Walmart and I'm like, how do I inspire these kids? I'm in the toy section and I walk by a, a Yoda Lego set. It's like a thousand piece yoga Lego set. I was like, what did one of those things cost? $99.99. And I'm like, well, shoot, here's what I'll do. I'll buy that and I'll do a drawing and I'll do a reading challenge. Then I come home and I say, Jennifer, I just bought a $99 Yoda Logo set, Lego. Logos is my Bible study. That's where I got my stuff. Lego set. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do this drawing. I'm gonna do this reading challenge and then they'll draw for this thing. And she says, you know what, Daniel? I have a whole roll of tickets. I was like, perfect. And so Wednesday night comes and I put a table there and I put the, the uh, Yoda Lego set and I have this thing and, and my, my uh, students are used to me giving things away because here's why I give things away. We don't know my theology of giving things away. Uh, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And one of the things I wanna communicate to, to, to the now generation is our God is generous. Not about what you do, it's about who he is and he's generous. That's why I give stuff away. And so I have this thing there and I say, everybody gets a ticket. So they're all, they're all like, bang, Pastor Daniel's gonna do this drawing tonight. It's gonna be cool. You know, man, bam, 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 put it in there. I said, well, wait a second, here's the deal. Your first ticket was free, but every other ticket is gonna cost you. So I said, here's what we're gonna do next week. We're gonna read the book of Matthews, half of the, half of the book of Matthew. Okay, bam. Then I start getting uh, messages from parents. What if my student only reads four chapters? What do they get? I'm like, I don't know. I just made up this game. I don't know. Okay. They get a ticket for every chapter they read. Why not? And so they come and the students come. Well, I read 14 chapters of Matthew. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Then the next week I do a thing and then I had this young man come up. Young man, and I know their names, I'm just not sharing their names. I had this young man come up and he says, Pastor Daniel, I read the whole book of Matthew, what's your next book? And I was like, well, you read the whole book in one week? Yes. What? And I was like, well, since you're such an avid reader, why don't you pick the next book? All right, I think we should read John. Well, there's your next book. The next week comes, student comes up to me, and says, I read all these chapters, and then all of a sudden I got it. I'll tell you, one of the ways to be in awe of Jesus is to get out of the way. And, I, and, and how many are a little slow about getting out of the way? My hand is raised as, as high as I can raise. And all of a sudden, I was like, I need to get out of the way. And so I step out of the way, not literally, but then I say this statement. You'll get a ticket for every chapter you read. Next week comes, first student comes up. Pastor Daniel, I read 170 chapters of the Bible last week. And I said, what? what, 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 what,
I read 170 chapters. Are you going to give me a ticket? And I'm looking at this big roll of tickets. I'm like, sure. All right. Next student comes up, 150. Next student comes up, 75. Next student comes up, 50. I'm just handing out these tickets. Then the next week comes, and a student comes up to me and says, Pastor Daniel, I read 268, I could get that wrong, could be 48, 268 chapters of the Bible last week. I had, and then I, I, I bought a couple more things. I was like, shoot, this is fun. Uh, you know, I bought a couple more things, and then the students just read chapter after chapter after chapter, thousands of chapters. As a matter of fact, I kept all the tickets, and I, I, I poured them. I was like, I'm gonna count this so that I can tell people how I can't even count them. I counted like 10. I was like, dang, I need an intern. I'm not counting these things. Good day, that's craziness. That's ridiculous. I got all those things to do. I was like, maybe I could weigh them, you know? But then I was like, this is too complicated. I don't care. It's a lot of chapters. My favorite part was the student that read 268 chapters, or around there, you know my math is not good. I've already addressed that issue. Uh, (laughs) I gave them the tickets. And then I see him going, giving students his tickets. He takes 268 tickets and goes around and gives them all, all away. He gave all his tickets away except for one ticket. And then he comes up to me with his ticket and he says this statement and I was, I'm in awe, I'm still in awe. He says, I don't even care about winning. But here's my ticket. He made sure that everybody had a ticket. People that didn't even read the Bible had a ticket. I say all this to say that. When was the last time you were in awe of God? When was the last time you listened and obey and God said, And he just began to breathe on something. I'll tell you what, in The Verge, we led over 30 people to Jesus. We had like 18 kids, students get baptized. We had over 20-something students get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, a a month ago, Beverly said we had three new givers. They They were all Verge students, and I never taught on tithe. Why? Because God is just breathing I had a student come up to me the other day, want to do their senior project. They're going to write, we're going to write as a group. We're going to write every teacher at Abington a thank you card. Had another student come up just last week and say, Pastor Daniel, here's what I want to do. I want to put packets together for the elderly. We got to make sure that we buy sugar-free candy because they can't have any sugar. What do I do? I said, whatever you want, I will do. Grace and space. God is on the move. When was the last time you were in awe of King Jesus? Uh, True worshipers choose to be in awe of Jesus. Now, I'll tell you this. Uh, Later on this month, we'll probably have 100 students in this room, and I'll tell you what, it's not enough. 92 students is as many students as I can fit right now during COVID. But I'll tell you what, when those regulations get off, We're gonna fill every seat in here with youth. And I'll tell you this, and I'll tell you this, we're not even gonna fill them in this house, but I'm gonna help fill Matthew Askew's at Liberty Baptist, and I'm gonna help Brian McTurnal at at Bridge, and I'm gonna help help, uh, Jason Burton at, at Cornerstone. And what we're gonna do is what? We're gonna fill every seat because God is working. God is working. And we need to be in awe of Jesus. And how, how do you, you say, Dan, Pastor Daniel, well, how do, how do you do it? You, you're devoted to the word, to community, to pray. You just begin 
to move. And what you will see is God not necessarily working in your life, but in other people's lives. Here's what I've learned. I learned when you focus on others, when you put yourself out of the equation and you say, God, move in their life, God moves in their life. And then you're in awe of them. So here's what we do. You choose to be in awe of Jesus. Number two, true worshipers choose surrender over control. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. True worshipers choose surrender over control. I think we get this skewed in our relationship. Like we're cool surrendering to Jesus when eternity is on the line. Like once you get a glimpse of that, it's either heaven or hell. I'll take heaven, Jesus. Amen. I surrender. The Bible says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. I've never met anybody that regretted getting saved. Have you? I haven't. I think that, you know, the message of the gospel, the whole message of the gospel is surrender, isn't it? You get, you get confronted with the truth of a matter and you're like, wow, I choose you, Jesus. You chose me before the creation of the world. Now I choose you. I surrender. But true worshipers, true worshipers understand that, the, that they need to choose surrender over control for the rest of their life. Like it's not just a one-time decision. You know, you're here, I'm here. How many in this last season said, I, I thought, I personally thought I didn't have any control issues. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I had numerous of them that I had to, oh, I'm in control. Whoa, 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 whoa. And in order for me to be steadfast, in order for me to be, be online with Jesus, I had to learn how to surrender my control. Who are you trying to control? What are you trying to control? Because whatever you're trying to control is right, is a barrier for you to become a true worshiper in Jesus. It's a stronghold. Are you trying to control your spouse? Are you trying to control your kids? I remember I have, I have a beautiful daughter. Her name is Joy. And she is, she is so full of joy. I remember the Lord saying this to me one time. I, I, have, I have friends that, that are dealing with things that are like uh, five to 10 years ahead of me. So I will look how they deal with that and that issue, this is wisdom. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I need to adjust now before I'm experiencing that heartache then. And I remember uh, one of my friends, their, their daughters were, were leaving the house. And I was like, man, that's gonna be me. My little girl, six years old, curly hair, beautiful. She's going to want to leave my house. I don't want her to leave my house. She's too cute. And I remember the Lord saying to me, you need to learn how to surrender things now instead of waiting until I have to surrender like eight things. I might as well start now. And I said, okay, Lord, what do I surrender? She's, he said this to me, tell her she can do whatever she wants with her hair. And I was like, you don't understand. Come on, cat. Jesus, my girl's got beautiful curly hair, and the picture of my sweet joy is her with that beautiful curly hair. And the Lord was saying, let that go. You're controlling that. 
surrender that. Now listen to me, when I surrender things, I'm like, I had to surrender all of it. I mean, joy could literally, when I say that hair is yours, she could have buzzed it all off. And I would have had to say, you look beautiful. <laughs> but I did, I went up to Joy, I don't know if it was her sixth birthday, eighth birthday, I don't know, years get blurry to me, but I remember being in the car with Joy and saying, okay, baby, you can do whatever you want with your hair. And her face lit up, it's like grace and space. She was like, Wah! first thing she does is go dyes her hair. You're like, you go, girl. But that's her personality, right? And I remember looking at my little girl with her dyed hair thinking she is just as amazing as she is now with pink or purple hair than she was before. Because here's, here's, here's what I know. Here's the truth. When you surrender and you relinquish control, you, you position yourself for God to give you grace and the ability to navigate through that season. So you're holding on to something and Jesus is like, let it go. And you're like, I don't wanna let it go. And you're thinking if you let it go, you never get it back. You're thinking if you let it go, you lost something. But when you let it go, he releases grace so that you can accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. So like how you become a true worshiper is you relinquish stuff, you surrender stuff. So I was thinking about some stuff to surrender. First of all, let me give you a couple questions. Is it yours to control? That's a great question. You look at things, I'll tell you what's yours to control, your heart, your mind, your emotions, how you react. You control that. But is it yours to control? And if it's not yours to control, then why are you holding on to it? It's God's to control. And so I was thinking about some th things to surrender. Listen, surrender is an action of genuine faith. When faith is present, you will surrender stuff. When you walk into the destiny that God has for your life, you're going to have to give some stuff up. The gospel you hear that says, if, if God calls me there, then I can just be who I am right here and claim that promise over there. Whoa, 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 you're listening not to the gospel. You're not reading your Bible. It's not how it works. Salvation is free. But walking out your purpose is gonna cost you. Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. There's the denying of self, surrendering, making a conscious choice, picking up the cross. What's your cross? Your cross is different than my cross, but you still have a cross, so pick it up. I tell people all the time, you need to choose to, choose to discover God's purpose in your life. You need to make the action statements. It's going to cost you, but it is worth it. It is so worth it. Why don't you surrender your anger and forgive? Why don't you surrender your rebellion and be obedient? Why don't you surrender your pride and walk in humility? Why don't you surrender your strife and experience his peace? Why don't you surrender your worry and trust him? See, the walk of God is an act of surrender and true worshipers choose surrender over control. Number three, and finally, they choose intimacy over popularity. True worshipers choose intimacy over popularity. I was thinking about, I almost named this whole sermon the case for foolishness. <laughs> A case for foolishness. You're in the story of David where um, he's trying to bring the ark into the city of David, but he doesn't do things right the first time. 
Matter of fact, he's such a good leader that on his watch, one of his boys stumbles and gets struck dead. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Then he puts the ark. I love how the Bible says this. It says, David was feared the Lord. I'm like, yeah, one of your boys just got struck dead. You should be fearing the Lord. So David takes the ark and he puts it into a house. And, and it, the Bible doesn't say this, but I assume because David has a, it, the Bible does say this, that David had a heart after God, that David was probably trying to figure out how he could get the ark into the city of David. And the Bible says that that ark stayed in there for 90 days. And so David was probably trying to figure out how do I do this right? And so the ark goes to the, to the city of David finally, and every six steps, what did they do? They did a, a sacrifice. And then the Bible says that David was dancing, and he basically had his underwear on. And I don't know if he was just really a super excited because nobody was dying on his watch. He's like, I got a ride, yay! But he was in awe of Jesus. And uh, I mean, of God. In 2 Samuel 6, 16 says this, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, that's how my uh, U version said that name. Uh, I don't know, if they're wrong, I'm wrong. The daughter of Saul watched from the window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Now the Bible says she never had any kids after that. But I wonder, here's the deal. True worshipers choose intimacy over popularity. Are you choosing to follow the crowd and not follow Jesus? Are you choosing to be influenced by the person that is sitting next to you when it comes to your relationship and your worship of the Lord? Are you choosing popularity over intimacy? One of the things that you and I will face is when we follow Jesus, when we choose to worship Jesus, we will be confronted with the fear of man. We will be confronted with the fear of man. I think to myself, the case for foolishness comes, this thought comes from 1 Corinthians 2.14, says this, this is Paul speaking. He says, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. My case for foolishness in the house of God is this. Why are we being influenced by the world, how we worship, when Paul says that when the world looks at the church, we should be foolish? Are you, am, I try, am I making sense? Like, Paul says that only the Spirit can reveal to you what you need to do when you are born again. And he is saying that people that don't know Jesus, when they look at us, they should say, they are a bunch of fools. Why are they acting like that? And I think, yeah. Here, here's my call, intimacy over popularity. 
Popularity says, I need to get everything in order. Popularity says, I need to keep up with the Joneses. Popularity says, I need to do this and do that. Popularity means, I I need to blend in. I need to be a little bit about Jesus, but not all about Jesus. Look, the King David got radical, got crazy about Jesus. He was acting like a fool. And the Lord blessed it. And in our worship sometimes, I'm about to step on some toes. In our worship sometimes, we're like, nah, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if I should. So-and-so's watching me. And here's how I know this is true, because when I first started to learn how to worship, I was in the men's bathroom as soon as they started playing uh, music. I would run back there. Matter of fact, there's a ministry in the men's bathroom. We should play music back there. I'm like, oh, I suddenly got to leave worship. But here's the deal. If you want to grow in your word, here, I'm talking to true worshipers. You have the choice to be a true worshiper or not. If you want to be a true worshiper, you need to choose intimacy over popularity. You need to say, Jesus, you are Lord over my life. You are everything in my life, and I will worship you with, who, with everything that I have in my life. And if you are being influenced by the fear of man, because that's what I believe it is, it's the fear of man. Uh, Paul says this in 2 Timothy, he says, he says, God doesn't give us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Here's the deal with fear. We're trying to counsel fear when you cast it off. Fear is a spirit. And the spirit of the fear of man will cause you pain and heartache. Heartache. The, the spirit of the fear of man is gonna rob your dreams. The spirit of the fear of man is gonna rob the blessings of God that, you, that he has in store for your life. So you can choose and be like, look, I'm good with it, right like this. But I'm telling you, if you want the full measure of the blessing of God in your life, you have to choose Jesus. You have to choose intimacy over popularity. You have to choose he is the one. And I'm not saying that you need to jump up and down and spin, but I'm just saying you need to get radical in your worship because you are leaving a lot of stuff on the table that Jesus wants to do in your life. And true worshipers, when they worship in spirit and truth, that's where the peace that surpasses all understanding comes. That's where the wisdom comes. That's where the conviction comes. That's where the power comes. That's where the purpose comes. That's where the clarity comes. You're like, where are you, Jesus? He says, I'm right here. I'm at this altar waiting for you to get free from the fear of man, to get free from the fact. Unmask your worship. Cry out to Jesus. I double dog dare you to see what happens in your life. You're saying, man, I mean, get down there. Get ready. Find your tune. If your tune's not here, find it somewhere else. Find your song of Jesus and start declaring the works of Jesus, and he will transform your life. Stop worrying about what people say. Now listen to me, if you are clear in your direction and your purpose for King Jesus, God bless you because there's a lot of people don't even understand what they're on the planet earth to do. And if he has clearly discerned your purpose and you're sitting in your chair and not embracing and being very excited about that, you are missing something. So I wonder if we could all stand this morning. If Tegan, she can come on up here. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody.
Stand up in your living room. Come on. I love what Ephesians says. It says, it says uh, uh, wake up. Oh, sleeper, rise from the dead and allow Christ to shine upon you. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up all across this room. You don't have to, but you should choose to. I want you to lift your hands in the air as the act of surrender to King Jesus. You can close your eyes. You can bow your head. As we just, we just declare, man, I love you, Jesus. Say that with me. Say, I love you, Jesus. Say, I choose to worship you, Jesus. I choose to worship I choose to worship you, Jesus. I choose. It's time. The time is now. Today is it's time. It's time to shift the atmosphere. I woke up this morning and I was like, Jesus, <laughs> I have the best job in all of planet Earth. <laughs> I get to declare Jesus is alive and well. That's my job. And I will never take that for granted. I will never take that for granted. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that if you will lift up the name of Jesus, he will draw all people to him. Every time I speak, I say, I know, Jesus, you're working. You've been working all week because you know what I'm preaching on Sunday. You know what's in my notes. You know who needs to hear this. You know who's been weary, who needs strengthened. You know who's been influenced by this world a little too much and they just need an encouragement. You know, Jesus, you know who needs healing. You know who needs to come to you today. You know, you know, Jesus, you know. And I choose to give you glory. I choose to worship you. I choose to worship you. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, just pray in your heavenly language. We choose as a body of believers. We love you, Jesus. We love you and we worship you. We love you and worship you. I wanna ask just a few questions. First one is this. Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus as Lord over your life. And the Bible says that he chose you. You didn't choose him, but he chose you. He chose you. And today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you draw the line in the sand and you say, today I choose you, Jesus. The Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That word saved means to be made whole, to be made righteous. And you can't do that in your own strength. If you could, we wouldn't need Jesus. Jesus did for you what you could never do for yourself. He died a sinless life and God raised him from the dead. And whoever would believe in him, not church attendance, believe in a person and that person is Jesus and he is alive and he is well and he's been pursuing you and today's your day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you say, I choose to surrender control over my life. I choose to surrender my way and pick up your way. I choose to lay down my life and pick up your life. I choose today. I choose today. I choose today. So I'm gonna to count the three and there's nothing magical about the number three. If you wanna give your heart to the Lord, you need to raise your hand on number one. But if he's speaking to you, if the Holy Spirit is drawing you, today is your day. Today is your day. I just want you to raise your hand all across this room, all across this room. One, two, today is your day. 
Today is your day. Three, all across this room. All across this room. All across this room. Now listen to me. If we're all right with Jesus and we all have a relationship with him, we have some work to do. We have some work to do. This house is the house of God that needs to be full of broken people. It needs to be full of people that need the saving knowledge of Jesus. Every seat needs to be full and everybody can have a mask and we can, we can do five services, we can do six services, but this house needs to be full and you and I play a part in that. So Lord, we come to you as a, as a group of believers, all right with Jesus. And we choose to worship. We choose to worship. Maybe you're here this morning and your awe is a little low. It's been a while since you've been awed. If that's you, I just wanna, I want you to raise your hand all across this room. If you've lost your awe and you wanna, you want, I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand. How many more? I see that hand. I see that hand. You can put your hand down. I wonder if we could all say this. Lord Jesus, I recommit myself to you. Lord Jesus, I choose to be devoted. I choose to be in your word. I choose to be in community. I choose to pray. Yes. Lord, give me the grace. Give me the grace. Give me the grace. Look, I feel something on this grace word. I want you to raise your hand if you want more grace. You want grace upon grace. You want grace upon grace. You want grace that leads to joy. You want grace that leads to peace. You want grace that leads to wisdom. You want grace that leads to strength. You want that grace. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to lift your hands all across this room. We have that grace, 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 Jesus. Grace, grace, Jesus. Just receive it. Grace, grace, Jesus. Grace, grace, Jesus. Oh, we worship you this morning all across this room, just lifting burdens, lifting burdens, lifting burdens, all across this room, all across this room. We lift burdens in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You are the burden bearer. Oh, you are the burden bearer. Some of you are so hard on yourself. Son and daughter, why are you so hard on yourself? If you could do it all yourself, you wouldn't need Jesus. You just need to obey and get out of the way. Just obey and get out of the way. Some of you are trying so hard. You're, 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 you're stopping up that grace that he wants to release in your life. Lord, I just pray for grace for this church, for this community, in every household, on home, on site, in the home. Grace, grace. Now, Tegan's about to lead us in a song. I was encouraged by Pastor Ken's message last week. If you didn't listen to it, you need to listen to it. He basically said that we all needed to encourage and to speak a blessing, to speak a blessing. I felt this week, I was like, the Lord wants to bless his people. And so I wanna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this blessing and then, and then Tegan's gonna sing this song for us. And it's found in Numbers chapter six, verse 24 through 26 says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.